Hello, and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all. Shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth on Muddied Waters Media. Yeah, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in for another amazing night here, Monday night, November 22nd. I'm so excited you guys are hopping in, hanging out with us tonight. I've got, as usual, I've got another amazing guest. Now, this is somebody we've had on before. His name is Dwayne Lester. He was amazing last time talking to us about being able to sell liberty in a major um in a major way that really reformed the way a lot of us look at that conversation and so i am incredibly excited to be bringing him back tonight and so good evening to you all i'm so excited you guys are here uh i'm so excited for the conversation we're about to have and this of course is going to be centered around the war on drugs which is something if you guys have ever seen me pontificating about talking about trying to engage with people on this is usually something um that we are discussing so one hell of a show lined up for you guys but first gotta handle the housekeeping so first i want to say thank you to matt and spike for giving me a platform to come out here to talk about my views my opinions my my stances on things and of course to allow for guests to come on here and to share this space with me um through this i'm hoping that we're going to be able to make an impact and and i love you all for being a part of this with me you can of course hear this live wherever you guys are hearing this from right now i appreciate it so much whether you guys are hearing this on facebook on youtube on twitter on twitch thank you so much if you if you prefer another platform or if you have another platform where you're on those go ahead and give us a follow on muddy waters media um we love you and support you and appreciate you Make sure if you have those, make sure you guys are hitting those notification bells. Um, if you're here on Facebook, um, comment and reply to other people's comments. Like each other's comments. Interact with each other's comments. This is going to help that algorithm, and we love you guys all for, for being a part of that. But if you guys are not checking this out live, I don't blame you. I understand. I've got a busy life. You guys have got a busy life. we got to make things happen. You can take us on all of your favorite podcast apps. So make sure you guys are going out there, downloading, um, subscribing to the Muddy Waters Media Podcast, where you can hear all of our content Monday through Friday, regularly scheduled. And make sure you're leaving us uh, some amazing feedback and five-star reviews everywhere that you can. Appreciate that so much. And of course, if you're looking to become the next tier of, of subscriber, of listener, you can become a subscriber and help make the our dreams a reality by going on over to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters slash subscribe, where just for the low, low price of a couple lattes a month. You too can help out and get exclusive content such as me and Matt Wright last night breaking down for two hours the Kyle Rittenhouse case from very beginning all the way to to, to yesterday. Um, just jam-packed with a lot of good insight, um, of course, because I gave you some of it. Matt Wright gave you the other parts. <clears throat> 
you can get that exclusive content and so many other things. Spike Cohen, as he goes around the country and campaigns, as he advocates, as he changes hearts and minds, you can hear all of that. And of course, we have the muddied Zoom once a month where you can get on, you can hang out with me, you can hang out with Cajun Libertarian, you can hang out with Nolik or Eskimo Libertarian, you can hang out with Spike Cohen and Matt Wright, and you can hang out with the other Mudsketeers. So get on over there to anchor, anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters slash subscribe. And of course, if you're looking to rep us and pip us out everywhere that you're going, head on over to muddywatersmedia.com slash store where you can buy the merch. You can show off to everyone else how cool, how much cooler you are than they are because you've got Spike Cohen stuff, because you've got Muddy Water stuff, because you've got the goods and you're showing it off and everyone's going to be jealous of you and wonder where you got it from and you can point them to muddywatersmedia.com slash store. Now, we got to talk a little bit about, as you guys can see, there's a little bit of a difference. If you guys missed the intro, if you guys missed the thing down there right below my head, we've got a little bit of a change. She just got a new customer. And by she, I mean Kelsey Lyon Designs. So if you guys are looking to rebrand, if you guys are looking to build a new business, you guys are looking to, to get a new logo, change up, redesign a logo, get some publications, some new business cards, whatever it is, as Christmas comes up, if you're looking to get uh, some beautiful Christmas cards designed, take those pictures and just elevate them to the next level. Make all your friends jealous because they haven't reached out to Kelsey Lyon Designs. Head on over there. Use the code MuddyWatersMedia and... You'll be able to get 10% off of those those gigs, those deals, of those interactions with Kelsey Line as she will take you to the next step. You can join the ranks of Spike Cohen, of Joe Jorgensen, of Natalie Bruno, of Ashley Shade, of so many great libertarians around this country that have used Kelsey Line and they all uh, advocate for her. So you can go on over there and show her some love. And the other sponsor for tonight's show is Greasy Porcupines. Uh, with the shuttering economy in 2020, Greasy Porcupines witnessed an increasing number of motorists who were foregoing automotive repairs and maintenance because they just couldn't afford it. We all know about those economic hardships. Even as things began to open back up, many people still were not in the uh, uh, having the capability of being able to take care of their vehicles. And so that's when Alex stepped in and he realized that he could be that on demand wherever you need it, whether you need it on the road or if you could bring your car to him, he will be able to give you those oil changes. He'll be able to give you those repairs. And it's not a matter of here's what my, my cost is and you have to pay this. No, this is pay what you can afford. So if he's had people that have given uh, that he's given oil changes to for free because they just simply couldn't afford it. But he's also had oil changes where people were kind of in the green of that month. And so they were able to, to throw him 100 bucks, 200 bucks. So right there is just a beautiful way that we can make a difference in our communities. And so I want you guys to head on over to greasyporcupines.org if you are in Arizona right now and soon they will be nationwide. We need a new door. I, I've I've got it. I think I've still got the door up. No, I don't. I'll have it on the other page, on the next page. But we'll bring back door. Um, but without further ado, I do want to bring on the man, the myth, the legend, Dwayne Lester, as we're going to be diving into an incredible conversation. And so without further ado, Dwayne, how's it going tonight? Hello. How are you? <sighs> Great. I was just thinking that I could maybe use some new branding, but I kind of like my my yellow and gold or my gold and black local libertarian brand. So if I ever need a new one, I know where to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, and she does shirts and everything else, so she could take that local libertarian and, and spice it up a bit. But um, before we get into tonight's topic, um, I I woke up this morning and I realized we both were kind of in the same world because I went and I hopped in the shower and I got out of the shower and I tried to mold this and I realized we both were having bad beard days. Um, <laughs> you throw that right at me, huh? <laughs> But, um, but ever since then, I knew that tonight was going to be made better, and and partially because for some of the in the audience they'll they'll know this, but because we're going to have door. Um, but beyond that, of course, the conversation we're going to have tonight. Um, speaking of the door, for anyone out there, if you guys are looking to be a part of the largest or not the largest, the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party, you can join the Pepper Door Caucus. Which, that right there, the seal of Wisconsin, that's a pepper up there in the top middle. Go ahead and hop into that caucus, and uh, we won't do anything from there. But you can join it, and it'll be a good time. But tonight, Dwayne, we have some stuff that we're going to cover, of course. But I first want to know more about what's been going on in Dwayne's world. Because the last time we had you on, you just had your newborn baby boy. And life was a little bit chaotic. Um, have you managed to get sleep since then? You know, it's it's settled down. The kid is actually really chill. Like, um, he will just sit and stare at you for a while until he gets tired of that. And then he just starts screaming like a madman. It's There's no in-between. It's zero to full blast. But he's he's really cool, and honestly, um, just blessed to have him. There was there was, I'll be honest, there were times there I didn't know, I didn't know, and so I will tell the parents out there will understand um, when you think you're going to lose a kid, and I don't want to start heavy, I yeah. Know, but there is not a sound that this kid makes that can upset me because every sound he makes is a sound I might not have heard and didn't think I was going to. Yeah. So no. And, and we're so incredibly grateful that, you know, that he's doing well and that all the circumstances surrounding um, him coming into this world have, have gotten better. Mother's doing well. Kids are doing well. Your whole entire baseball team. I think that's what we decided it was. It was, it was a baseball team. We're up to nine now. If I'm the coach, I think that's a baseball team. Yeah, there we go. So you've got, you've got a whole baseball team and, and everyone is pitching in doing an amazing job as you guys always been doing. So that's, yeah, it's great. I'm jealous. I need, I need a baseball team to complete my house. If you apply yourself, Jason, I believe that that you can do it too. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, maybe I should start consulting. I don't know. Do you need that kind of help? I, I, we'll, we'll figure this out. (laughs) Now who's feeling awkward, huh? You make jokes about the beard. I'll come right back. (laughs) I love it. I'm here for it. I love it. But tonight we wanted to talk about a little bit about the war on drugs. And, and of course, as libertarians, we know the correct answers on everything. This is why we're libertarians because we got the big brains. We understand the circumstance from from every perspective, but I think one of the things that when you when you brought this idea up to me, um, that it really sold me was because 
we have those ideas and the problem has always been is that we suck at selling them and and one of the biggest opponents to changing the war on drugs the one of the biggest opponents to ending that of course is is people on the right side so um tonight just kind of want to go through what is the answer for the libertarian side um or what is our solution for the war on drugs how do we get there and then how are we going to sell this to be able to make an impact in in our society and culture where it's absolutely necessary um well i'm curious if we could start i'm curious why this is such a such an important issue to you along with the entire criminal justice reform catalog why is this still important to you i remember the last episode when you said why 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 (laughs) so uh for me why is the criminal justice system such an important and impactful thing is because what we have done through the way that the system sits right now is that we have uh, destroyed the potential of so many millions of Americans for making decisions that some people may not agree with, um, but they aren't inherently hurting other people. And so as long as we have, you know, as what we've labeled victimless crimes, we have people that are having their lives turned upside down. They're, they're, they can't have gainful employment in, in some areas, in some states, Um and and it causes actually more hardship more than just for them but also for their family members etc and we've i've discussed in the past of like how the criminal justice system works and like specifically in prisons and the culture there we have a better way we know that there's a better way and so for me that's why the big topic of the overview of the criminal justice system um we want to reform but specifically for the war on drugs is because victimless crimes are not a crime and so i want to push for that victimless crimes victimless crimes tell me more about that <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna see if you're gonna wait for me to to break first victimless crimes what is a victimless crime and of course uh, a victim is somebody who you can point to that was harmed whether that was their property their person or their effects if somebody is harmed by the actions of another then there's a victim but in the case of somebody in, uh, ingesting, somebody possessing, um, somebody you know consuming a drug, these are all things that are currently a crime in the country, but these don't actually have a victim by somebody just making a decision against what others believe to be theirs or to be a decision that they can criminalize. What I'm trying to do is just illustrate that this is one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people make. I've made. I see this happen all the time is they just go right into the case. They just go, well, let me tell you why this should happen. Yeah. And I don't, there's probably seen uh, the sell me this pin thing. And it's from the Wolf of Wall Street. You don't just go right into, yeah, you don't go right into that. Uh, Let me tell you why we should, we should uh, legalize all the drugs. First, you got to say, well, how, you know, what are you going to do with this pen? How long you been in the market for a pen? And you have to, get as much information as you can as possible. And a lot of this is going to come just by listening. And that's uh, maybe I'm hanging out with different libertarians than you, but that's been a, a skill that a lot of libertarians I know struggle with because we've got all the answers. Let me tell you why yeah. you're wrong and why we're right. And that is one of the most off-putting things you can do. One thing I love doing um, is getting people to argue with themselves because then they're learning. And I don't know if I told this story last time. I'm going to tell it again just in case anybody uh, wasn't here or they forgot it. I had to teach a class at George Mason University, and it's at the Antonin Scalia School of Law, and I'm going there to teach criminal justice reform. And as I'm walking up, I'm thinking to myself, 
my my degree is in commercial horticulture. I have no business teaching anything at the Antonin Scalia School of Law. Then I said, okay, that's just your imposter syndrome acting up. Get in that room and teach. So I was thinking about what Milton Friedman used to say, and he would say it's not as important to focus on what a law or a policy promises, but to focus on what a law or policy delivers. Yes. So I had to get through to this room full of conservatives that criminal justice reform was a good thing. And I was using Milton Friedman's argument to do that, that we could be putting policies in place that promise one thing and deliver something drastically different. So I looked at this room full of conservatives and I said, put your hand in the air if you believe that felons, people convicted of a felony, should have their Second Amendment rights taken away permanently. I'll move my hand away just so I'm not convinced. <laughs> Hands went up in this room, man. Hands went up, just as I expected. Yep. And I looked at them and I say, now keep your hand in the air if you believe gun control works. <gasps> oh, man. And just this <laughs> look on them like, I, uh, I don't, what, um, uh, I said, exactly. So you need to think about what you're actually doing, because here's the policy. The policy that you're putting in place is you're going to take guns away from violent felons who may do us harm. They had they should not have access to guns. They're not safe for society. I've never heard a violent felon in any situation say, I'd love to go rob that bank with you, fellas, but I shouldn't be around guns. Yeah, that's not right. A violent felon who wants a gun is going to get a gun. So all you have done in this situation is disarm felons who are not going to break the law. In other words, you're disarming people who pose no threat to society. Mm-hmm. And, and that is was, that, is it really, and those people in there, I mean, I could see, I could see, you know, the minds fireworks. getting blown. I'm like, yeah, you need to think about this. We often hold these conflicting views. And at that point, I wasn't, I wasn't teaching them anything. They, they had to argue with themselves. And we talked about those four questions that I asked last time to get people to argue with themselves. Mm-hmm. People don't argue with their own data. They can sit and argue with me all day long. But those people in that room had to square that circle. Okay, oh. I don't believe gun control works, but I don't believe felons should have access to guns. What do I do? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. You, you yeah. work that out on your own. This I know is what your I think. fight, not my fight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many times I've looked looked at somebody in in the classroom and been like, "You're not arguing with me. <laughs> you need to figure this out for yourself." Oh, and that's it's very topical that you brought up that story. I, I don't think you shared it last time, but it, because we just had the same day that Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted was a, the same day that. I forgot his first name, but Coffee the Fourth in Florida, he was also acquitted of charges because he was in his home with his girlfriend, uh, a significant other that was a female, and police threw a, did a no knock raid, flew a flashbang in at four o'clock in the morning. He started returning fire, so there was an exchange of firing, and she was killed. And he was charged with her murder, and he was acquitted on those charges, but was sentenced for 30 years in jail because he was a felon and was using a firearm. So so he was justified in what he was doing, but because he was a felon, 
that's the only reason why he's going to spend the next 30 years of his life in a prison. Yeah. Yeah, that's not justice. That, that's, so you can call it a criminal justice system, but there's no justice involved there. That's just, that's just wrong. So that's, that's what I, I like to do. I, I, won't, I won't argue. I try not to argue with people. Now, there are times when I will argue with people, but it's for a purpose. Yeah. Um, and we, we get into that. We'll get into that real quick. For example, um, I spent quite a bit of time over the last few years developing and presenting a training on free trade. Now, delivering a training on free trade in the era of Trump, you can expect that to be a fight every single time. Oh, yeah. Every single time. From both sides. Yeah. Right. And so there comes a point during that where where you realize, and this is, this is part of influencing people, I'll say that. Not so much convincing the person you're speaking with, but there are other people listening. So when I would go into these situations, there would always be the one person in the room that I would pick up right away and know that they were, they were straight on protectionist, that they, they were there to let me know how wrong I was. And I'll tell you, man, this is, this is what you get. When I, when I identify that person, my thinking is, thank you. Thank you for being here and for being part of the presentation. Because that's what you are now. You are now officially part of the presentation. Because when I'm talking with them, they will pos- stake their position. I will state mine. And then I'll let the third parties, because I, I will let the third parties decide, because I know I'm not convincing this person. No. I mean, I sat, I sat in a room one day, and the longer I talked about this, the more I saw the physiology of a person change. And I'm not exaggerating to the point where if they were on the floor and I, and I was putting the boots to them, they would not have been any different than they were sitting in that chair, literally sitting in the chair in the fetal position. And I knew that he was going to be the one that came after. Now, this particular training was fun for me because on one side of the room, I had um, just red hat wearing protectionists on the other side of the room was the ladies of Liberty Alliance. And so it was just a matter of saying, sir, you have a question, but it was more of a statement. Okay. That's fine. Statement. I would simply turn and say, anybody want to say something about that? And then I just stand back and let them go because you're always going to have, if you're talking to a group, you're actually talking to four groups. You're talking to those who are with you. You're talking to those who are against you. You're talking to those who don't care, and you're talking to those who are on the fence. Now, a lot of people think that you will want to talk to those who are with you. I'm in there trying to influence people. Yeah. So there's only one group I can really influence, and that's the people who are on the fence. The people who are on the fence, they could go either way. People who are with you, there's a reason you don't preach to the choir. The people who are against you are going to be against you. The more you deliver uh, information to them, that doesn't fit their preconceived mold, the more they will batten down the hatches in their cognitive bias. They, they will just simply latch down on what they believe because this information doesn't square with what they thought, what they yeah. think, and they have to reject it. Those who don't care, don't care. They just, they don't care. But yeah. those who are on the fence, those are the folks you can reach. So when I'm in that situation, I will engage with those who are against me. 
so the people on the fence can hear both sides. And it's key in that situation that you keep your head about you. It's, it's important because often, I mean, I won't say often, sometimes the other person won't. And then that's a, that's a bonus to Easy. you because then the person on the fence says, okay, I can listen to the person who's making a rational, lucid case or the person who's lost their mind. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things of the perception of this person is well composed and this person becomes a little more frantic, comes a little more rattled. And so then it just it, just by that appearance alone, you don't even have to hear what people, both sides are saying, but just by that appearance alone, people will say this person's got it together. Right. Right. It, now, when you're talking to different groups, it's important to recognize that and I'm going to I'm going to recommend two books tonight because I don't know if you can tell. I'm a bit of a reader. I like to read. Uh, so I want to rec- I want to introduce, hopefully not introduce, but recommend two books. So the first book is called The Three Languages of Politics by Arnold Kling. I just looked at it. It's a small little book, smaller than my head, and it's only got 87 pages in it. You can read it in like an hour. It's, it's Hold on. a short read. You could read it in an hour. I am a slow reader. That's that's 87 days of reading right there. <laughs> Perhaps we could get Cato to make a coloring book version for you. That would be beautiful. <laughs> but the three languages of politics, what, what Arnold Kling is able to break down is why so often our politics turns into shouting matches. And it it's, it's a sad fact it does, because a lot of times we're not listening to understand. We're listening to respond. That's yes. another book around the corner. That's Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. We're not listening to understand. And that's what I was trying to do at the beginning when I was asking you, tell me why you think this. Tell me why you think that. I'm trying to understand you. But in, in the three languages of politics, Kling breaks down three different tribes. He breaks down the tribe of progressives, the tribe of conservatives, and the tribe of libertarians. Yes. We and these tribes, tribe. we do. Yeah, believe it or not. And then those tribes fight each other uh, relentlessly. <laughs> Just the libertarians. The others are like, look at these freaks. Yeah. But the, uh, <laughs> the progressives and the conservatives and the libertarians, they all have their own language in these tribes. And so progressives, when they talk about issues, they Kling says that they tend to see things along a, an oppressor and oppressed axis. So when they talk about issues, they see things in the form of, this entity is oppressing this entity. So when you think about, you know, the criminal justice reform, when you think about the war on drugs, you see, you know, the state cracking down on the people and generally people of color. So that's their mindset. It's an oppressor oppressed mentality. Libertarians. What do you think their axis is? Oof. I don't I don't know how to how to phrase that. So I think that we would still be in the the oppressed and the, the oppressors, right? And and so with that access who uh, is the question who would those be or are we looking for a different access entirely? You know, it's a word that you have used probably a thousand times. Libertarians and I I'm guilty of this. We tend to see things on a liberty coercion coercion access coercion yep and that's 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 how we speak when we see an issue it's a liberty or coercion issue progressives oppressor oppressed libertarians 
liberty coercion. Now, when you're talking to conservatives, Kling says that conservatives tend to see things on a civilization barbarism axis. So things that they support, these are things that are foundational. These are things that are important to a civilized society. And when you move outside of those, well, then you're just an advocate for barbarism. Yeah, or as they like to call anarchism. Yeah, or anarchism. You, You want a breakdown of civil society. And so when you start talking to them about something like ending the war on drugs, they're not seeing it as a liberty coercion. They're not yeah. seeing it as an oppressor or oppressed. They're seeing it as you want craziness in the world. You want everyone on drugs. You want a, a breakdown of civil society. And so when you, when you make arguments to them, you need to try to remember that. One thing Clean points out at the end of the book, he says, you can't speak the other person's language. Don't even try. Because once you start trying, the other person will realize you're a poser. You're not one of the tribe. Get out. So how do you do that? Well, you can recognize the language they're speaking and do like I did at George Mason University and get them to start questioning their own positions. Because allowing violent felons to have guns that's clearly a breakdown of civil society. Wow. Except, except gun control doesn't work. So figure it out, folks. Wow. That that was there was like so many bombs going off in my head during all of that. Just knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb of just because I've just slipped off my chair um (laughs) it's powerful stuff man it's powerful stuff yeah no it's incredible (laughs) um because i was i was thinking about that and you know just that civilized society versus the barbarism or or anarchy or you know just lack of structure this is how i've seen so many of those conversations when i've met with people on the right in the conservative circles of well, you know, we want a civilized society, don't you, Jason? Well, you can't, you can't allow for this, that, or the other, and and so they, I don't think that they put the term of of whatever it is. I mean, we can see all the different uh, variations of it, but that's it resonated so well for for me on that, and being able to to take that along with the ask them questions, let them fight or fight with their own facts and their own views. We could change the world with that. So, so sell me, tell me, how do we, how do we take this to the next step and, and put it in for the war on drugs? It's, it's, there's one key piece of information, and probably from a Thomas Sowell book I have down here. But one thing that really blew my mind was when I read Thomas Sowell and he wrote, there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. trade-offs. I love that quote. That's yeah. an amazing quote. Yeah, it's, it's a great quote and it's a mind blower because when you think about this, you can talk to conservatives about that and you can learn what they they care about. They care about, they want this civilization. And you can say, you know, if you break this down, if you allow drugs, you know, to be legal, it, it'll go crazy. And you can say, well, it, are things good right now? Don't, you know, you can ask these questions. Why, why would, are things on the border good right now? Mm. Is, or is there violence down there? I haven't been watching the news. Is there violence on the border it's, right now, Jason? There's no violence, but uh, the last I saw, the there's still a big circumstance down there of 
we don't know what the hell we're doing. Um, there's still a lot of people in the internment camps. And then recently, I think it was $450,000 towards families that were separated. Um, well, what about drug drug trafficking on the border? Is that is that a problem? Always. Always a problem. And then, does that come with violence? Is there yes. violence inherent in that drug trafficking? Oh, absolutely. Because we have the... the uh, I forgot the name of them. The cartels. There we go. The cartels. So the, the the black market, of course, cartels have to protect their markets and everything else. So the violence is is inherent. Is it? it so it sounds like you're saying that it's possible that prohibition is actually leading to a decline in civilization in certain areas. Yes. Oh, yes. So this is having the opposite impact of what you want. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at, at the south side of Chicago and different areas across the country, What's the cause of the violence there? Well, it's, of course, gangs, and it's... uh, What are gangs doing? Selling drugs and working amongst themselves and having regional wars. It sounds like what you're saying is is that this drug prohibition is not only causing violence along the border and with the cartels and the kidnappings, you know, all across and whatever's going on down by the border, but it's also impacting the inner cities where we have gang-related violence directly relating to drug sales. Yep. So again, this is another issue of that is contributing to the decline uh, of American civilization. Part of the reason why, for the first time in, in ever, that we have we have people looking at America as a backsliding democracy. So it, it sounds like what you're saying is is that this prohibition is actually causing a lot of the problems that you feel will come along with legalization. But what I have to ask you and help you to remember is there are no solutions, Jason. There are only trade-offs. So if that is, is that, is that an acceptable trade-off for you that we have, we have innocent children getting gunned down in, in the streets of America so that other people won't use drugs? Wow. That's impactful. <laughs> oh man, I feel uncomfortable, and I I oppose this. <laughs> I oppose it entirely. But yeah, but that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Those are the trade offs we're talking about. So what you're saying is, if we have legalization, we won't have the drug cartel violence on the borders. We won't have the drug related violence in the cities, but we may have a few more people using drugs legally mm-hmm. and and judging an by acceptable trade-off for you oh absolutely for me but if we even look at, at portugal which i think is important as well that through a couple of steps that could be taken along the way to mimic it in some ways we could actually see some some reduction in the number of people being addicted to drugs and so we could uh, through the legalization practice we could also see the reduction but yes again I'm, you're bringing facts into this. Yes. Facts have no no purpose here. No, never, never. <laughs> what, we we can bring facts in later. What what I want to get to is is I want to get this person thinking about their own positions. I want to get them arguing with themselves. Yeah. And again, Ooh. there are no solutions here, Jason. There are only trade offs. And so we're talking about which set of trade offs is best. What you're advocating for is a set of trade offs that comes with kids getting gunned down in gang related violence. Now, personally, I I don't like that set of trade-offs. Yeah, and I hope I hope you don't like that. No, what what I think you should, what I think you can try and see is a set of trade-offs that doesn't have that. 
that does have its own negatives, but has a, a great deal more positives. And those positives bring with it a safer society for America. Wow. That's that right there. Just that blows my mind of how well you can just ask a couple questions. Talk about the cause and effect of them. And then lead them to, to, to struggle and say, look, if you want civilized society, a civilized society would look more like through these trade-offs through a better trade-off would lead us to, to this. Furthermore, think about this, Jason. If we had less cartel-related violence on the border, we would actually have a safer border. And I think you want that as well. Oh, yeah. Because the border patrol that we have down there now would not have to focus on drug smugglers. They could focus on the people who intend to do America real harm. Yeah. Now they so have... you're actually increasing border security through the legalization of drugs. <sighs> What other markets would you say we could we could discuss for for somebody who may be right of the aisle to to sell to to sell the idea of legalization? So we have the border, we have you know, we have gang violence, cartels, all of those. Are there any other markets that that you've used in the past in order to sell this to? Or I know I'm I'm really going to rack your mind because because I think that when we talk about these things right we want to be able to there's gonna be there's gonna be that conservative that we're gonna run into is like i don't care about the border i don't really care about kids i'm I'm, right right. i'm an incel i i can't can't find a woman so why do i care about kids um well does this person have principles probably we can go back to a bit about what we talked i think we may have talked about this last time when we were talking about sales but that's why i want to talk to this person find out what what principles they care about yeah because this this conservative may their main thing may be like me my big issue is the proper role of government yeah i mean people talk to me why do you do what you do i do what i do because i want my kids to be freer than i am when they grow up and Mm -hmm. the only way that that can be is with a limited government in its proper role that's that's my issue and that covers a lot of ground you know there's some people who are just I'm all about this one particular issue in this one particular niche. Yeah. I'm like, no, government needs to be as small as possible. Yeah. Yours is that very small, narrow niche of all of this government needs to be small. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 Um, So, I mean, you could speak to me on, on the, when you know that that's what I care about, you could speak to me on that. So when you can find out what this person cares about, and you might not get it in the first conversation, maybe you need to recognize that in this first conversation you're having, that you're not going to have the opportunity to make that sale. Maybe if you're at the Thanksgiving dinner this Thursday and this is the situation you're in, you can recognize, I'm going to talk to Jason about this. Jason may lose his mind, but other people at the table who are listening, maybe I can get through to them. Yeah. So, but what you got to do is find out what they care about. And so maybe this person cares about limited government. And so then you could go the route that I used on, on actually a colleague of mine, not long ago, he's a, more traditional conservative didn't understand how I could be for legalize it all. I mean, he'd see me write that on Facebook. He's like, I don't understand how you can be like that. I'm like, well, I mean, you're, you're conservative, right? Don't you care about the proper role of government and the size of government? Well, yeah, I do. Well, let me ask you this. Um, can, can you use a gun to force me not to take a drug? Well, no. It's like, well, where does government get that power? 
government gets its power from you, right? And you can't give away something you don't have. Yep. So where does government get that power? Oh, that conundrum like, sticks so many people. Go ahead. It sounds like you're advocating that government actually get outside of its proper role and do things that it's not authorized to do. I mean, if you go back and look at it, if you go back and look at it, when FDR wanted to outlaw alcohol, say what you want about FDR, but at least he got a constitutional amendment. At least FDR recognized that the federal government didn't have a role to do this. But you're actually left of FDR on this. You're actually a bigger statist than FDR on this because you're <laughs> saying the government should unilaterally do it with no constitutional authority. How do you do that? Ooh, that hurts. That hurts. I, I've, I've used that same argument with with people who their their niche was we need a government that follows the constitution, and and not to divert onto other topics, but they said immigration, war on drugs, and all these other things were were important for the government. I said, all right, show me the enumeration of the powers for the federal government to control immigration. Show me the enumeration of the powers in the constitution for doing the war on drugs, and. Then they were like, I was like, show me the proposed amendment to the Constitution. This is, I, of course, am not as tactful as you. I'm not a, a, a great uh, seller of liberty, which is why, of course, I'm bringing you on to talk to me and, of course, the audience. But watching them spin out over these things, there, there's a little bit of joy. And I need to stop taking that joy. Those dopamine hits are great, but they're, they're addicting and they're bad. Um because we want to change them. And and so I got That's not why you're doing it. That's not why you're doing it, is it? No. I was I I just wanted to rile you, them up. Is that what you tell yourself or is that actually why you're doing I, it? I was wanted to rile them up. <laughs> well, I was talking to this particular person and and I kept going back to you you've said you believe in limited government. And I believe in limited government. That's why I believe government should be limited to its proper role. That proper role does not include policing what you and I put in our bodies. And if you believe that that's its proper role, then where does it end? Were you for the ban on big gulps in New York when that happened? Or did you oppose that when that came out? Because there's no difference. No. In fact, I can make the argument that a ban on big gulps would save more lives than a ban on marijuana because obesity is an epidemic, which leads to heart disease, which is the biggest killer in the United States. It isn't uh, somebody smoking a bowl somewhere. No, it's your stupid big gulp. Yeah. No, and 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 I want to I want to also frame this for a lot of people because of course our audience is not just small government libertarians, but this, we also have you know as me personally being an anarchist, some of us do believe in the idea of no government, and and so these mm-hmm. are when we talk about these things this is not just to say look we are selling it and this is the end goal for for the people like me right this is a let's have these people be able to shrink that government and and so um for the audience right so if we have the spectrum of government right you have i can't tell which side i'm on all right so this is my left side no this is my left side Jeez, oh, I can't tell. Anyways, I don't I'm know if you. it gets mirrored That's in the right foot. side. But I'm with you. Okay, Go so, for it, man. so from the left side, so you have giant government, right? Communism, where everything is dictated by the government, uh, your actions, your work, everything else. And you have anarchy with no government. What we want to do is we want to take people from you know, from that left side who are conservatives in the in the modern day. Um 
where they're advocating for the war on drugs they're advocating for this that, and the other we want to pull them to the side thinking that we can snap them to the anarchist position is is unrealistic but what we can do is move the overton window for a lot of these people of what they accept um and so this is why these these tactics that that Dwayne are so incredibly important for us to be able to to help move people and once we get to that minarchy state then we can just have the all-out brawl between all of the world's minarchists and then the small faction of anarchists that are still there and maybe that will be a justification to bring us to anarchy but i digress <laughs> hopefully but I you're right and, and too often too often we try to sell you know too often we try to sell the the lexus when all we should be selling is the you know Chevy Chevette. Let's get them into this car first, and then we can move on down the road and get them to the next car. Saul Alinsky used to do that. Uh, if you want to bring up Saul Alinsky, I do, because I like talking about Saul Alinsky, but he was called a pragmatic populist because when he would organize, he would organize around things that he knew he could win. Yes. And he knew what his, his thinking was, and what he explained was, if we win, we will grow because people are attracted to winners. Yes. So maybe two or three or four or five issues down the road, we can tackle that one. That's a little bit outside the Overton window, but first we got to get these pragmatic ones out of the way. And then we build our power and then we are able to do things. The snowball. You effect. don't go straight for, you don't go straight for the, the thing that you know you're going to lose on because yeah. guess what? People are attracted to winners. They're not attracted to losers. And yeah. the people who are working with you are going to get tired of losing and they're going to go find a winner. And the next thing you know, you're by yourself. Take those pragmatic baby steps, get those wins, grow your base, make your movement that way. And so, speaking um, of that, and this is why it's so incredibly important. So recently we had 150, at least 150 libertarians get elected at very local level, right? City councils, county councils, mayors, etc. These are the small wins. These are how you start building up those winning things that you're talking about, that Zelensky was talking about. We start winning there. We start showing the ideas of limited government, looking at auditing uh, financials, looking at, at how these practices are going. And we can take those things and we can take those small wins and we can grow them. Nobody likes the Libertarian Party because one of those things is libertarians don't win. We've heard it yeah. time and time yeah, again. And I've, I've read before, I've read before, uh, you know, we see so much this is this is a flawed mental model this is a fallacy but you hear this well all they do is they they collect all this funds and put it in towards a failed presidential campaign that they have no chance of winning yet what you just said how many local elections are you winning those are the small things that that accrue that over time will make you more effective Um, yeah i are we I want to make sure that I get to the other book that I wanted to recommend. go for it go for it uh, i can't really i can show you the the cover but it's all white. It's called bring it the righteous mind. The righteous mind. Why good people are divided by politics and religion by Jonathan Hayden. And what he talks about here is something called the moral foundations theory, which you can Google. You can go to moralfoundations.org. You can read all about this. But his research and his theory led him to believe that we are all guided by like six moral foundations there's the foundation the the moral theory of care and harm we don't like seeing you know most of us i would hope don't like seeing people get hurt we care about our fellow man don't want to see them get hurt there's theory of fairness and cheating for the most part we believe in fairness we abhor cheating we don't like cheating i don't there's the theory of loyalty and betrayal and man man did i feel this um 
as soon as I said, you know, maybe, maybe Trump shouldn't be, boom, you are disloyal. You are not a good Republican. And yeah, I don't know how many times I was told I'm not a good Republican. Finally, I just, I'm not a part of your stupid party. And then the hate, woo! Then yeah! the hate came because I had violated the loyalty and betrayal. I had betrayed them. The uh, amount of circling of... wagons. The, just yeah. everyone is circling those wagons. Yep. There's the authority and subversion of, you know, this is the hierarchy of, of social interactions. And then there's sanctity and degradation or, or purity and degradation. And then finally, liberty and oppression. Again, this is at moralfoundations.org or in the righteous mind. And what's interesting is when you look at these, you can see that progressives and conservatives and libertarians all find different things important. So yeah. when you look at progressives, progressives tend to find caring and fairness paramount. Yeah. Caring and fairness. That's top tier. And again, c- compare that with the oppressor oppressed language. You can see how they line up. Now, What's interesting for me is conservatives score about the same on all of them, which is, I found that interesting. Yeah. So you can talk to, when you, when you talk to a conservative, you can pick any of these. When you're talking about the war on drugs, maybe you've got somebody who puts a little more emphasis on authority and you could say, do you really want the government having the authority to police what you put in your body? I, I don't think they should have that kind. Um, you could talk to them about fairness. Is it fair? What we see right now, is it fair that we see, you know, what we're seeing in, in the war on drugs? I don't think that's fair. You can go to it however you want. Believe yeah. it or not, this may shock you. Libertarians put more emphasis on liberty than any of the others. Oh, yeah. It's weird. Second to liberty is fairness. So I can conservatives, see that. they do score high on liberty, but they also score high on all the others. So when you're talking to a conservative about the war on drugs, keep that in mind. You can talk to them about caring, fairness, loyalty, authority, purity, liberty, all of those things. Just do it in a way that shows you're actually making a more civilized society than leading one down towards the path of barbarism. That's incredible. That's mind-blowing. Because... I've been going at this wrong my entire life. <laughs> you changed my trajectory tonight. I hope my work that... Is done. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I hope that everyone listening takes notes, comes back. Um, I will be badgering Dwayne after this, Dwayne Lester, the amazing guest tonight, to give me those books in writing so that I can record them because it's going to take me too long to try to remember those. Um, and I don't read good. So... I want to make sure that you guys are able to to pick up those books, read them. Every time I have Dwayne on, and we're going to continue having him on as long as he wants to keep coming back, he's probably going to keep giving us some more books. He happens to have a slight addiction to these things. Um, I, I how What percentage of the books in your library that you're in, um, which, of course, the audience can see how big this audience is, but what percentage of your library? Well, you see part of them. Yeah, they go all they go all the way to the ceiling, they go all the way to the floor, they go back there. They're all around the room. What percentage of that library do you think you've read? Um, I get that question often, and 
that's the that's the first time I've heard it phrased like that. It's usually, "Have you read all of them?" And I laugh and say, "No." And that's a failure of a of a person to have read all their books. You yeah. Have some. Once you've read all of your books, I, I I believe that the idea is if you own a library and you've read all your books, you transcend to like another world or another galaxy, and and we, right? we can't even gather the information from you that you've collected. So. I have not read a majority of these. I would okay. say I maybe have read 35% of them. Whew. But there's there's different kinds of books in here too. I classify them as different kinds of books. So you get something like like Deirdre McCloskey. Okay. You start reading Deirdre McCloskey, you're reading very intellectual stuff. You're you're reading stuff that is going to make, in my opinion, this is stuff that's going to make you smarter. This is stuff that's going to bend your brain and make you think of things that you hadn't thought before. So that's that's the more intellectual stuff, and then not denigrate him, but then you get to something like a uh, John Stossel or a, a uh, Rand Paul book, and these are books that are important because of the stories contained in there. Yeah. They're going to have some fantastic stories that you're going to be able to share later and help reinforce the position that you have. Now, I call those more the bubblegum. Uh, bubblegum conservatism bubblegum libertarianism books because they're easy to read you can get through them quickly and now you've got a stable of stories that you can use uh, and that's important because people buy with emotion and they justify with logic so if you have a good story that can get someone's emotions up then you've got them hooked and then you can hit them with the facts later another another good sales pitch right there this is just asking a percentage of your books and we are we're we're learning more from you this is what i love about having you on Dwayne, and i i appreciate it immensely um i gotta ask you know what what can we what's coming up in in wayne's world between now and the next time you come on is there anything big plans are um are you planning on having five or six more kids in between now and then um <laughs> i'll tell you um I, we are done we are done with kids so we're done at nine and i gotta tell you um small type family when my, when my wife and i got married uh we said how many kids you want to have and I, I said i don't know how many kids you want to have and she said I, I think six and i thought okay six is six is fine we got to six and i said six seems kind of small now doesn't it? And she said yeah it does and so when we got to nine uh she came to me and she said this is it basically she was saying i my body can't do this anymore yeah uh, and i gotta tell you man that that hit i mean that sounds weird because most people would look at nine kids and say you're nuts and i look at nine kids and say that's not enough that hurts that i can't have any more but nine nine is it uh i'll tell you i'm i've been told for quite some time that we will have fiber optic internet in my rural little corner of Missouri soon. And when that comes, you know, um, I would love to start a podcast. I'm, I'm so excited for that day. I will be, hopefully be your first subscriber, but I know I'll be, I'll be fighting with a bunch of other people. Um, because I know there's so many people that love and adore you for your ability to sell your ability to talk about things and the ability to change people's hearts and minds on so many of these issues, such as what we we're talking about tonight. And, and I know like your family is just a big, giant, beautiful family. And I'm so incredibly blessed to see like your, your, your Facebook posts come across my feed and it always brings me a little bit of joy. So I'm always excited to see you out there, but 
I want to thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything, any last minute pitches, any last minute tricks of the trade, anything you want to share with us before we wrap things up? Just be patient, man. I mean, you might not get them that first time. Sales people rarely get that sale the first pitch. Sometimes it takes up to six, six times before you get a yes. Yeah. So be patient and keep your mind right. You know, don't get mad. Uh, there's a, there's a segment of stoicism in, in that too. You know, you can't change their mind. You can only make that ground fertile and maybe someday that seed gets planted, but you keep trying and don't get mad when they don't, they don't buy Just say, okay, I can't make you buy. I can just give you the facts and see if you will. And if you don't, it's still good, man. I still Plant love those it. seeds. I love it. I appreciate it. Well, Dwayne, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've got the chat calling me Mr. Voice from from the the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case, but it's been an absolute pleasure. And and thank you for coming back. I'm so excited to hopefully be able to bring you back on, and we will continue to learn more about being able to sell liberty in an incredible and impactful way. This has been. I know that you were you were uh, busy trolling me today, but <laughs> also excited to come on. So I, I hope that we've been able to give you a good platform to come on to. And I'm excited for our next conversation as well. Uh, yeah. As of right now, you have exclusive rights to the Lester Liberty library. So I need those. All right. Well, thank you so much. And um, everyone <laughs> out there in the world, if you guys have not already liked and subscribed every plot uh, platform that we're on, make sure you guys do so tomorrow night. We'll have spike and Matt coming together, to traverse the muddy waters of freedom together. 8 PM Eastern uh, Wednesday will be uh, spike Cohen with his show. My fellow Americans Thursday is Thanksgiving. So don't worry. We're not going to make you guys uh, try to suffer as you guys are, uh, eating too much turkey to be able to stay awake so you won't be seeing any writer's block this week and friday will be from bios to igloos that will be at 9 30 eastern everything else will be 8 p.m and uh we'll see you guys back here next week monday night 8 p.m eastern love you all appreciate y'all keep up the good fight and keep learning and make sure you guys go back and listen to this one more time Dwayne Dwayne does an amazing job of being able to sell this i hope you guys all have a great night take care and see you guys here soon